everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Luna's Galaxy podcast. My name is Emmy, but you can also call me Luna, and I'll be the host of this show. The Luna's Galaxy podcast goes live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast services on Tuesday every two weeks. For this episode, we have four segments. Oh my god, it's been a while. <laughs> At least it feels like it's been a while. Um, we have gaming news, what I've been playing, questions, and a topic of the show. Um, originally, this was going to be a part of the news segment, but because there is so much news <laughs> about I, the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, I figured I would make it its own topic of the show. So I will be covering some of the news um, in the news uh, segment. <laughs> But because there is so much, and I kind of want to go more in depth about, like, the trailer and um, some of the information that came out that might be a bit spoilery, um, I'm going to avoid spoilers as much as I can. But I might I might reference a bit of stuff from the first I, the Somnium Files, but yeah, I won't spoil it. So if you do want to listen, um, I promise I won't spoil the first game, but I will kind of talk about, you know, some of the characters and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, I'll be talking about my thoughts on... The I, the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative trailer. That's kind of our topic of the show. There was also a few interviews that came out um, about it. So we're going to go through all of that because I'm very excited. <laughs> there are very few games where I would make one trailer and like two interviews an entire topic of the show. But I'm sure we all know how much I like I, the Somnium Files and just Uchi Koshi games in general. So yeah, I'm very excited to talk more about this. So uh, let's get into it. But before we get started, if you would like to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts for the Luna's Galaxy podcast, I'd very much appreciate it. And you can now do it on Spotify as well. So if you listen on Spotify, be sure to do that. I really, really appreciate it. XOXO Gossip Girl. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's get into the gaming news. So Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary is coming up uh, late March. And we got an announcement uh, last week. Not last week, maybe two weeks ago. I think it was, I think it was like the day that last episode came out. I don't know. Anyway, a while ago, <laughs> um, we found out that there's going to be a Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary event on April 10th. I believe it's in Japan. And uh, what they said was that there's going to be a mini concert, um, a chat and Q&A with the development team, an exhibition, and much more. And that a video of the event will be made available at a later date. So I'm assuming we're going to get some announcements here. I think it'd be kind of weird if we didn't. Um, obviously, we like I can't go to the, <laughs> the in-person thing. Um, I do think it's weird that it's a video of the event being made at a late, available at a later date and not like a live stream. I would assume at least some of it would have been live streamed, but I don't know. I'm, sh I'm sure we'll probably get some announcements that we can look forward to. Yeah, that's, that, that's, there's something coming up. There's something, there's Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary news, hopefully coming up. And another Kingdom Hearts story, um, the Kingdom Hearts, uh, Switch ports that are cloud versions, there's a, there's a demo that came out that you can check them out on the Switch eShop thing, and... Um, <laughs> they were not received well, so if you know anything about cloud gaming, you will know that a lot of people have issues with it, um, and I think I might have talked about this on the podcast before when they first announced that, um, the Switch ports are going to be cloud versions only, um, and so basically the demo exists just so that you can find out if, with your internet connection, that these games will be able to run properly and not be fucked up, basically. And so I, you know, even though I know I'm not going to 
buy these cloud versions because I think it's just really shitty. I checked out the demo because I was curious. I was like, I want, I want to know how it'll run on my Switch with my internet. And it wasn't terrible. Um, it wasn't good either, <laughs> but I thought it would be a lot worse. Like the bar was very low for me. So honestly, I was surprised that like it ran at all. Um, there were some times where like it was not HD. It was not, um, it would kind of get like blurry for a second or it would lag a bit, but it wasn't too bad. Like I thought it would be like, a, there would be a lot of input lag, but I didn't notice it that much but it's still not good. I still would not recommend this to anyone unless it's your only way to play the Kingdom Hearts series. But even then, like at this point, I would say to wait just in case they end up doing native ports of uh, Kingdom Hearts on Switch because it is possible, even though I don't think they're going to do it. But eh, um, yeah, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people tried them out and they just, they were bad. So yeah, that was, that was a fun experiment I did. And I, I honestly, I was surprised. I thought my internet was a lot worse than it actually is. So that was like a pleasant surprise that came out of all this. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend. Um, they're releasing on February 10th this year. But yeah, I'm really curious. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. Like, I feel like Square Enix is going to see this and they're going to be like, oh, I guess no one wants to play Kingdom Hearts on Switch and just completely ignore the fact that it's because they're cloud versions. Because I've said this before, but to me, the whole point of having Kingdom Hearts on Switch is so that I can play it portably and I can't do that with a cloud version. So it defeats the whole purpose. Like I already have Kingdom Hearts on like my home consoles, like my PS4, my PS3. I have it on PC. I'm sure if I had an Xbox, I would have it on there too. But like the whole reason, the whole appeal of a Switch is that I could play Kingdom Hearts anywhere. You know, I, didn't, I don't have to be home to do it. And the fact that they're cloud versions completely takes that away. And so I, I honestly, I don't think this is going to sell well at all. And honestly, I don't want to say it, but like, I hope it flops. I don't want Square Enix to think this is a good idea or to think that they can make money off of it. And I hope that they see how fucking stupid they are. But anyway, let's move on, shall we? So here's the big news that came out the day <laughs> that last episode dropped. And I think it took us all by surprise. Um, Microsoft acquired Activision for almost $70 billion. I think it's exact. It's like $68 billion something, but like about $70. Um, which is wild to think about. <laughs> like $70 billion. Like, honestly, I didn't even know Activision was worth that much. But that's just... It's wild. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Like, like... I could, I think we all would have expected that Microsoft would have continued to buy out um, certain companies, certain developers, but Activision is just so huge, and this, God, there's been a lot of conversation about this, and we're going to talk about it a bit later in the questions uh, segment, but, like, it's so hard to even, like, conceptualize, I guess, um, and, you know, with the stuff that's been happening at Activision lately as well, that's just like another layer to it. Um, and everyone was, like, there was a new story that came out. I think I might've covered it last episode actually, or like a few episodes ago where Phil Spencer was like, yo, we're reevaluating our relationship with Activision right now. And everyone was like, Ooh, but, um, no one expected they were going to like buy Activision. Out. <laughs> um, so it's just, 
like, it's really wild to even think about. And obviously this comes with a lot of questions of like, is Microsoft going to continue to buy? Because obviously they'll buy anyone if they can buy Activision. You know, it's not a thing about money. So they, you know, are they going to continue buying out companies? You know, what's Sony or Nintendo going to do? Are they going to do anything about this? What does this mean for Activision? What the, what does this mean for Microsoft? What does this mean for everyone? Like, it is... There's so much to unpack, and I feel like we are never going to know how this is all going to shake out for a very long time. Like, I think we're going to be seeing... Like, we're going to have to be keeping our eyes on this for, like, years. It, it's just... It's it's wild. Um, so, obviously, there's a lot of news that came out about this after this. And I'm not going to cover all of it, but I will just kind of talk about some stuff. Um, so one thing that is kind of up in the air right now is, you know, how does this affect Bobby Kodak? Because obviously everyone wants him to resign. And so as of now, and I have some quotes here from an article, I think this came right from Microsoft. So Bobby Kodak will continue to serve as CEO of Activision Blizzard, and he and his team will maintain their focus on driving efforts to further strengthen the company's culture and accelerate business growth, the statement reads. Once the deal closes, the Activision Blizzard business will report to Phil Spencer, CEO, Microsoft Gaming. So, like, it's really hard to tell what's going to happen because, obviously, they haven't been acquired yet. Um, Like, technically, that's not, like, the deal isn't going to be through until, I want to say sometime in 2023. I'm not entirely sure. But it's still very much in the process. So, right now, obviously, Bobby Kodak kind of has to stay there. Maybe not has to. But, like, Phil Spencer still, I don't think he has that power to be like, bye, Bobby. Like, I don't think, like, that would make sense right now. Um, But I do think, you know, it brings up this interesting question of when this deal does go through, when it is, like, finalized, when it's set in stone, when, you know, they reach, like, that date or whatever. Um, Is Bobby immediately getting the boot or, like, what's, how's this going to shake out? Is he just going to report to Phil? Like, there's there's so much that we don't know right now and I'm just it's a lot to unpack and I remember when this when this news dropped I was just like eating my breakfast on a Tuesday morning and I was just scrolling through Twitter and I saw it started off as like a rumor that um this was going to happen and then literally like five minutes later Microsoft had tweeted out that they had acquired like, Activision, so, like, it didn't even have enough time to set in as a rumor that, like, this could happen. It just, uh, <laughs> it was an interesting Tuesday, to say the least. <laughs> so, yeah, and we'll talk more about this in the question segment, because I did ask you guys what you thought about this, so I'm not gonna talk about too much of my other questions here, um, but I will later, if you want to find out what I think about some of this. And also what you guys think. So, <laughs> our next news story is that Final Fantasy VII Remake was in Italy. And if you know, you know. But um, there was uh, some sort of government meeting in Italy. It was, like, online. And somehow... <laughs> somehow, uh, Tifa... Tifa showed up there, but it was, it was not... Um, was not official Tifa. It was, um, it was, it was Tifa porn. And, um, yeah, just, 
just Tifa getting her back blown out in a government meeting. And, like, they kept it on screen for, like, an alarming amount of time. <laughs> but anyway, that's... That I just thought was funny. <laughs> just some fun things happening in Italy. Um, moving on. <laughs> like I said earlier, we got a lot of I, the Somnium Files Nirvana initiative news. So, obviously, the big news is that we got a new trailer, and this new trailer had a release date. So, I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative is releasing on June 24th, 2022, which is very exciting for me because I was worried because it was the release window they had was like spring 2022. And I was nervous because I was like, what if it comes out during a time where I'm like really busy with school? Um, but now I'm going to, I know I'm going to be graduated at that point. So like, I'm very excited that, you know, hopefully I'll have some free time to really delve into I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about this in the, um, topic of the show part because there, there's a lot to unpack, <laughs> but the gist of it is, is that there was a new I trailer and it's releasing uh, June 24th, which is very, very exciting. Um, then our next news that Square Enix is hosting a Final Fantasy VII 25th anniversary broadcast on January 31st. That is happening before this episode even goes live. So when you're listening to this on February 1st, you will know, you will know if something happened. But what, as the time that I'm recording this, it is January 29th. So I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, just listen to this and think about if anything happened and be either really happy that maybe we got, like, some sort of footage from, you know, 7 Remake Part 2, or be really disappointed that we saw nothing. And it was just, I don't, like, Final Fantasy VII First Soldier, like, new gotcha or something. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I forgot that I put all the iNews uh, later in the show, and I was like, wait, we're already done in the news segment? What I've been playing... Oh, wait... <laughs> Okay, now I see where I screwed up in my outline. Okay, so let's talk about what I've been playing. So, um, I've been playing Mario Party Superstars. I got this, like, last week, I think? Two weeks ago? I don't remember, but I've been playing it. I played it with some friends, and it's a lot of fun. That's, that's really, that's how I feel about it. It's a fun party game, and I have lost, I have won, I've gone through a lot with Mario Party, but... It's a good time. <laughs> um, and I've also been replaying Kingdom Hearts 1, which I did not see coming. I said last episode I was planning to start last window, and, like, that is still my plan. But I don't know. It was I was looking for comfort. I was feeling not great. And I was like, you know what? I want to go back to Kingdom Hearts 1. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm replaying Kingdom Hearts 1. Um, I'm playing on proud mode. Um, and I'm, I want to go for the platinum this time. Because I was, like, really close to getting the Platinum on the PS3 version of 1.5. Um, I didn't get quite as close on the PS4 version. So I think I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try and get that Kingdom Hearts 1 Platinum. Because I, I think I can do it. I, now that I'm older, <laughs> I think and I hope that I can... I think I think getting the Tales of Arise Platinum gave me more confidence. <laughs> So I'm hoping I can get that Kingdom Hearts 1 Platinum. Maybe Platinum some of the other Kingdom Hearts games as well. Um, but yeah, I've been replaying Kingdom Hearts 1. It's it's fun as always. <laughs> um, there's really not much to say. But I haven't been playing... I like paying much attention to the story. I'm just like kind of going through the motions. And like, you know, if a cutscene comes on that's just kind of like for Disney World, I like 
on my phone for a moment. It's just like a very casual playthrough as I'm like, hmm, I don't really feel like starting a new game yet. So that's what I've been doing. I've also downloaded Twisted Wonderland. So this is a mobile gacha game. And I apologize if you don't like me talking about this. Because uh, I know I talked about it a lot last episode too. Um, about Colorful Stage and that being a mobile gacha game. But uh, once again, I was like, you know what? I need a little spice to my life. And so I, I downloaded this game. It's a, I, I think it like just came out actually like a few weeks ago or something. So this is also like a fairly new game that I just haven't checked out yet. But now I have. Um, and this is like, the characters are based on Disney villains. I think that's like the premise of it. Um, so they all attend this like magic school. I can't remember what's called. I, I literally just downloaded this last night and I still haven't finished the prologue, I think. But think of it if it was like Harry Potter, but instead of like the different Hogwarts houses, like Gryffindor and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, if it was houses based off of Disney villains, so, like, there's one house for, like, Hades, Jafar, <laughs> Jafar, um, like, Ursula, Maleficent, there's a lot, and it's, I, I like the premise of it, I don't, I don't know, I'm very early, I don't know how I'm going to feel if I'm going to, like, keep this on my phone, or, you know, keep at it, but it's a cool premise, and, like, the character designs are pretty cool, because they are, like, they represent the different villains in a way. But yeah, and they're all men, I think. I think all the characters are men. So I'm like, I thought that it was going to, I, I thought it was going to be an Atome game, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, but like, they're all high school characters, like in this magic school. So I'm like, I don't think it's going down that road. <laughs> and if it isn't, that's fucking weird. But um, yeah, uh, interesting, interesting so far. Um, the gameplay is like, meh, like it's nothing special at least not yet I have not seen anything special yet but I'm just kind of like yeah I'll do like the main story you know see what's up see if I'll continue to play this but it is kind of cool if you want to check it out um I don't yeah that's about it it's not fantastic it didn't blow me away like colorful stage has um which I'm still playing very adamantly but um yeah that's really it I I've not been playing much <laughs> so Let's get on to the questions segment. So I asked y'all, what are your thoughts on Microsoft acquiring Activision for nearly $70 billion? What does this mean for the future of games with Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo? And do you think we'll see more acquisitions? If so, are there any you think are likely or that you'd like or dislike seeing? And I didn't get as much answers <laughs> for this, um, probably because it was a very loaded question, which I understand. Um, but it kind of worked out for me at least because, um, we have a lot to cover when it comes to I, <laughs> and also the few answers that we did get were very long, which I also very much appreciate. Um, and I'll kind of talk about some more of my thoughts here as well. So, uh, Trenton said, Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. Many thoughts come to mind. That is an understatement. <laughs> First is, how much was it? Because hearing of this monumental deal made NVIDIA's proposed 40 billion acquisition of ARM seem minor, and those guys make processors and can change how tech operates. I think this means the culture can begin to turn around once they are part of Microsoft Gaming. Bobby will still get paid from the deal, however, I doubt his life will be easy going from now on. It won't last long, and I think that overall, the sooner it is approved, the better. And yeah, I think that the best part of this is that, you know, we're assuming right now that Bobby is probably going to get the boot. And I think that is the most likely scenario because, like, if you're Microsoft 
and you buy out this company that is just having so much turmoil right now, I don't think, I think it would just look, it'd be bad PR. Like, even if they wanted to keep Bobby Kotick, even if they, like, secretly, like, really appreciated him and thought he was amazing, I think you have to get rid of him just for PR. And that, that's, like, a very pessimistic way to think, maybe. But, like, genuinely, I think it's also pretty realistic like, at the end of the day, it's a business, and I think if you want your business to thrive, you don't want to be caught up in this, you know, why is Bobby Kotick still here, and all that stuff. So, I do think that Bobby will leave. Um, obviously, he will get a huge payout whenever he leaves, steps down, resigns, or gets fired, whatever, but hopefully that means better things for the workers at Activision. Um, I think that's more important, obviously, it still sucks to see a shitty person get a shit ton of money, but I think at the end of the day, if it can help the developers that are working there and just everyone else that's working there and that has been affected by this really shitty culture, I think that that is, that, that's good. <laughs> that is very good. So, definitely some positives. <laughs> but yeah, also a lot of money. That 70 billion, 70 billion dollars. <laughs> And then uh, Tyler Tylerums. Oh wait, I like I scrolled too much. Uh, Tyler Tylerums says I have mixed feelings about Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. K. I don't know what the K stands for. I'm sorry. A B K. I'm assuming it's Activision Blizzard. I don't know what the K stands for. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Um, on one hand, I probably should have looked this up beforehand. Um, on one hand, this will potentially be good for the work culture at A B K. <laughs> although intermingling the two may cause other issues it's also good for game pass which is their goal it could also be good for studios that were sent to the call of duty mines like toys for bob and series like crash spyro and tony hawk on the other hand it feels like microsoft has no focus in terms of game development instead of putting their cash to fund some unique gaming experiences on their end they flop the money around and just buy existing studios slash companies of all the studios they've bought in the past forever, the only big Microsoft tentpoles are Forza, Halo, Gears. Everything else is up in the air, like Everwild from Rare, which last we heard the devs didn't even know what kind of game it would be yet. Obsidian put out Grounded in, like, early access uh, brackets, the Honey I Shrunk the Kids Survive. Oh, it's that one. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what Grounded is. And then, okay, I remember once you said the Honey I Shrunk the Kids Survival game. <laughs> I remember seeing it somewhere. Uh, but support on that has basically halted on that to develop Outer Worlds 2 and Avowed. Starfield was taken from multi-plat to exclusive, and so was Elder Scrolls. And Arcane is working in Redfall. We also know about the Perfect Dark remake and Fable, but most are all nebulous titles with no real info than a first viewing. No focus, only Game Pass. I try to think what this means for games like Overwatch 2, which hopefully is out before June of next year. And if it's not out, what are their plans? They have to support Overwatch 1 on all consoles anyways. Do they let Overwatch 2 go multiplat? What about COD and Warzone once the contract is up at the end of the next three COD games? What is their info on the benefits of making it exclusive versus not? I'm not going to scream Monopoly, but I definitely don't like seeing consolidation on this big of a level. Even if it's been reported that ABK went to Microsoft first. Right now, Nintendo aren't going to retaliate because we have no idea what this could mean in the long run and how it will actually affect them. So... A lot to unpack here. Um, I'm just gonna like scroll up a bit on your message because I want to touch on a lot of the points that you made, Tyler, because you're wonderful. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think definitely Game Pass is huge and this is going to be huge for Game Pass. I think, you know, 
I still don't have Game Pass, which is mostly just because I don't play games on my PC and I don't have an Xbox. Um, but like, I'm going to get it at some point. I still got that free trial that I haven't used yet. Um, you know, having like all the COD games on Game Pass, having the Crash games, having the Spyro games, having just so many Activision games on Game Pass, I think is huge for them. And obviously, like you said, like that's their goal. But another thing that you said that I think stands out is that it could be good for uh, devs like Toys for Bob. And what was the other one? It was Toys for Bob. And then, oh God, was it Toys for Bob that did Crash 4? Oh, what? oh it's, at, it's at the tip of my, Bees Knocks. Bees Knocks, Bees Knocks, that one. They, they were the ones that did Crash Team Racing. So developers like them, that, you know, got to make these really good remakes, these really good new games like Crash 4, um, and then they're just like, yo, you have to, you have to make Call of Duty now, and, you know, I get it, Call of Duty is huge, but, you know, we still want that creativity, we still want just, like, other franchises, even if it is just, like, a cash grab, like, even if Crash 4 at the end of the day was just a cash grab of, like, oh, Crash is doing good right now, let's make some money, um, like, I just, I don't want to see only Call of Duty coming from Activision, because obviously when you look at games like Crash 4, you see how much potential that they have, and so I definitely agree. Um, I really hope we see a new Spyro game, because as much as I loved Crash 4, I think a new Spyro game could be, like, on that same level, if not maybe even a bit better. I don't know, but I, I would really love to see a new Spyro game. I think it just, mm, it'd be fantastic, um, but yeah, I definitely think, because um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope it ends up being that way, because obviously we don't know yet. Um, you know, maybe Phil is just like, yo, we just want COD. We just want that good Call of Duty money. Um, but he doesn't strike me as that type of person. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. But I do think that from what I have gathered and from the way that I perceive it, that is the likely outcome that um, you will see more Activision games that are not just Call of Duty which would be fantastic. Um, but also, I completely agree with you when it comes to um, Microsoft having no focus or, you know, just buying out these companies and how, like, this is in stark contrast to, like, when whenever Nintendo or uh, PlayStation slash Sony um, acquire a game developer, it's because they've worked with them very closely in the past. At least everything that I have seen has worked that way when they acquire studios, you know, you look at PlayStation acquiring, oh my god, what was it? Like, I can't, Housemark? Is it Housemark? I think it is. Um, Insomniac. Um, there was another one that I was just thinking of. Bluepoint. They've, they've done these games together. They've done exclusive games together for years. You know, you look at Insomniac, like, they might have well have been a Sony, like, first party <laughs> for all the Ratchet and Clank exclusives that they put out for Spider-Man, for all of that. Like, they were basically already only developing games for PlayStation, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't affecting anyone else, really. It felt like, okay, we want to help you make even better games than we already have. And, and you know, same with Nintendo. I can't think of many Nintendo acquisitions at the top of my head, um, but I do know that I think there has been at least a few. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, the Xenoblade games. I think the developers of that might have... I don't know exactly, but at least with PlayStation, which I do have more knowledge of, you know, anytime they've acquired a studio, it has been someone that was almost exclusively working with them anyway, or that had at least worked on exclusives with them. <laughs> Even if, you know, not all of their games were exclusive on PlayStation already, a lot of them were, and they were working very closely. And so it just kind of almost felt like a natural 
progression. Whereas with Microsoft buying out Bethesda and now Activision, it's a lot different. It's so different because they have been multi-platform like all their games forever, kind of, unless there was, you know, exclusivity contracts that were like timed. Um, I don't know much about Call of Duty and um, whatever deals they had with PlayStation, if it was exclusive to PlayStation or if it was like time exclusive, just extra content. I don't remember exactly, but there has been stuff like that. But like, it's, oh, <laughs> it is so weird to think about. And, you know, it feels like PlayStation wants to make existing developers, you know, strive for better. Like they want to help them out, make really good games together. Whereas with Microsoft, it's almost like, we're just going to throw a shit ton of money at you. <laughs> and now the games that would have been multi-platform are just going to be on, on Xbox now. At least that's kind of what we're all thinking. Um, but yeah, it's, it does feel kind of unfocused. It, yeah. It's just, it's a huge contrast, I think, to what like PlayStation has done with um, buying whatever, whatever studios they get is very different. What else did you say here? <laughs> Was that all I wanted to touch on? I can't remember. Oh, and actually, uh, about Call of Duty, um, there was an article that came out that basically said that there will be more Call of Duty games on PlayStation for the next couple years, which I think you did say. Um, after that, we still don't know what's going to be like yet, so... We'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see how that'll, how that'll pan out. There's been a lot of speculation about that for sure. Because Call of Duty is huge. Even though we don't really talk about it, it is obviously one of the most popular games basically in existence. So yeah. And then about the Monopoly bit, um, like, <sighs> like I, it makes me worried because even though I don't think we're technically like at a Monopoly right now, I think that if PlayStation looks at this and they're like, oh shit, we have to start acquiring people, or if Nintendo does that, I don't think Nintendo would, but, you know, if this does cause enough concern that we start to see more companies getting acquired, I think that's scary, because I think that with a deal as big as this, it's kind of like, all bets are out the window, like, anything could happen now, so, I don't know. I don't know how that's gonna go. <laughs> and then... Then Tolly Zoo. So Tolly Zoo also sent in a response for this. Uh, Tolly Zoo says, as far as third-party U.S.-based publishers, Activision Blizzard is the highest return on investment business in the market, dwarfing competitors like EA. That's the reason they can justify a 70 billion price tag for a buyout. The recent litigations against them are creating a human resources nightmare, which may have triggered an internal death spiral in the company that they are seeking to remedy with the acquisition while keeping stock prices high. Agreed. <laughs> um, skipping to the question about if we will see more mergers and acquisitions, the FTC chair, Linacan, Lina I'm sorry, <laughs> is working for higher oversight in these types of deals. We have actually had a relatively high rate of mergers and acquisitions over the last two decades, so it is about time for them to slow down as more regulations and oversight are ruled appropriate. Interesting. And Tolizu also had a link in here if y'all want to check it out. Um, it was, it's in the Discord if you want to look at it in the podcast channel. Um... As for the future of games for Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, since this is a Microsoft acquisition, it will go one of two ways. Either they will bolster console gaming exclusives with the Activision Blizzard roster, or they will just use the portfolio to drive Game Pass engagement without carving out too many exclusive titles. If the second route is taken, we will probably see a price increase in Activision Blizzard titles, which can embolden other publishers to drive up their prices as well to bolster revenue while simultaneously making Game Pass a more attractive product offering due to the technical savings over buying titles individually. And yeah, 
I think I, I touched on a lot of this <laughs> when I responded to Tyler's, but I do think it, it I mean, we're definitely going to see Activision games on Game Pass. Um, so, yeah. And then Andre has, buying Activision Blizzard might be good for restoring the company to a better state than it is. Maybe Sony needs to invest even more and Nintendo, well, can keep being Nintendo. I think we'll see more acquisitions, hopefully of smaller studios and not of Square Enix or Sega. And I, I kind of agree with you. I think that PlayStation could continue to buy developers, but I don't think they need to buy big developers. You know, I think when uh, Sony bought out Housemark, that was good. <laughs> that wasn't affecting many people. Um... But I have seen a lot of this conversation on Twitter of, like, who's PlayStation going to buy next? Who's Microsoft going to buy next? And they're listing, you know, like, Capcom, Square Enix, Sega, EA. All these huge, huge third parties. And I'm like, why would anyone want that? Like, I'm just, I'm just being genuine. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I don't see why anyone would want that. Because I think then you end up fucking over basically everybody. At least that's my perspective. Um, you know, I think of you know, a company like Square Enix, which a lot of people are like, oh, like, PlayStation should buy Square Enix. And I'm like, no. Like, Square Enix puts out a fair amount of games on, on Nintendo platforms. They always have. And I don't want to see that go just to get more games on PlayStation. Like, eh? And same with, like, Sega. Like, that's also, like, at least for me, a really bad thing that could happen if, you know, say Microsoft bought Sega. I know that's something that some people have been thinking of. And I don't want Yakuza to only be on Xbox. Even a timed exclusive Yakuza game kind of makes me like, ooh, like, I don't know how I feel about that. And, like, obviously Sega is a lot more than just Yakuza, but that was the first thing that came to mind. I mean, then you would get, like, Atlas, like, Persona games. Do you want Persona games to be, like, Microsoft exclusive? You, do you not, or, like, say, if PlayStation bought Sega, do you not want any of your Persona games on Switch? Like, I just, I don't see how... <laughs> That would be a good thing at all. And so many people have been throwing it around. And I'm like, why the fuck would you want this? Why would you want Capcom, Sega, Square Enix, any of those companies to, you know, be first parties in any acquisition, whether it's Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft? I just feel like it is a bad idea. And um, I don't know much about this, but I, obviously companies like Square Enix and Sega, and I think Capcom as well, are Japanese. And so... I don't know if that would be very different. I don't know how much, um, say they, like, if is the culture, like, would they even want to be bought it? Would they allow that to happen? Um, I'm not sure. The one, <laughs> the one acquisition I think I would be okay with would be if PlayStation would buy Konami, um, which I think a lot of people have agreed on, unfortunately. Like, I think that just goes to show the state of Konami right now, that when this came out and everyone was like, yo, what's gonna happen next? Everyone was like, can Sony please buy Konami? <laughs> and obviously, I'd be okay with it if Mint got a new DDR game. Um, but really, obviously, people want to see Metal Gear. They want to see Silent Hill. Um, like, just so many Konami IPs that are just, like, non-existent now. Um, they're not doing anything with them. And, yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely think that that might be the only one that I'd be okay with. But as for every other big third party, I'm like, please don't do this. Like, it just, I, I would hate to see it. I really would. <laughs> oh, shit. I, I scrolled too much again. Um, and then Jay said, honestly, uh, these giant acquisitions are never good. I always worry when we inch closer and closer towards monopolies. Usually these result in layoffs too. So I always worry about the workers who are affected but get no say. TLDR, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely... 
the Monopoly part of it does definitely worry me as well. Um, and then Clock Party said, I think it's very much a good thing. If you actually look at the stats, Microsoft is actually nowhere near having a Monopoly. Plus, Activision was showing no sign of changing and, in fact, was trying to silence their employees. If it takes an acquisition to change, so be it. Microsoft has been bouncing back and have proven time and time again that they are trying to be consumer and gamer-friendly. I say we give this a chance before we start worrying about monopolies. And yeah, I definitely agree with you on that part. Like, when it comes to the employees, I think this is the best-case scenario. Um, I, I, I am a bit worried about monopolies. <laughs> but I definitely see where you're coming where you're coming from as well. You know, at the end of the day, we'll never know, like, what Microsoft intentions really were or, you know, how this is going to, like, shake out. But, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely see where you're coming from for sure. Um, but yeah, those are all the replies that I got. <laughs> so let's get into the topic of the show. So like I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking all about I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative because we got a lot of news. Um, I was hoping I would have gotten to this sooner. Turns out this is going to be a long episode, I guess. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about it. So before the trailer came out, we actually got some stuff come out on Twitter. Um, Spike Chunsoft was like tweeting out some stuff about the new characters. So a while ago, we got to see the box art for the game and we saw these two new characters. Um, one that was very similar to Aiba, only though she's a bit sexy. Um, and then this other new character who kind of looked like another character, but younger. Um, but anyway... So we got like a deeper look at them first off. And the two new main characters on the box art are Ryuki and Tama. So Ryuki is uh, the male character and Tama is the one that's like an eyeball, basically. You know, the other Aiba, his version of Aiba. So I'm just going to quickly read off the character descriptions for them. So Ryuki is described as being a rookie investigator with a strong sense of justice. However, he is not the hot-blooded type. He has a reserved and gentle nature. He's a well-educated man. Unfortunately, both his parents and his brother have passed away. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, fighting through his painful past, he aims to solve difficult cases with his partner, Tama, who is implanted in his left eye socket. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about his parents and his brother. I just, I'm like, okay, interesting. We have some sad backstory. Um, and then Tama, <laughs> her description is very fun. So Tama, like Aiba, she is an eyeball equipped with an advanced artificial intelligence. She's, she's usually found in Ryuki's left eye socket and supports him in his work. She has a motherly quality to her, mommy, um, being both stern and kind, although she is 90% stern. <laughs> she inspires Ryuki by whipping his ass into shape. Purely coincidentally, she is also a sadistic character who literally enjoys whipping ass. And these descriptions that I've read off are, like, directly from the Spike Chunsoft website. So that's how they describe her, as whipping ass and being sadistic. <laughs> so, that's it. If you haven't seen the character design for Tama yet, please look, please look her up. <laughs> if, if an eyeball had titties and... Literally, so there's, if, you, if you're familiar with the first game, Aiba, you have, like, her more humanoid form, then you have her, like, eyeball form, um, and Tama's eyeball form has boobs, and it's, it's really funny. Um, please look at her if you haven't already. <laughs> I've been retweeting a lot of pictures of her, so if you need any, you can find them there, but let's talk about the trailer. So the trailer came out a few days ago now. And I was literally, I was like about to go to work and then I was just scrolling through Twitter and Spike Chunsoft tweeted out a trailer and I was like, what the fuck? 
Um, it was a lot to unpack. So before I even kind of go by some of the things that I noticed and, you know, I just want to say first off that it was a lot to unpack. I feel like I know less about the game now than I did before. <laughs> There's so much that I don't understand. Like, I have no idea what's happening, but let's talk about it. So one of the first things that stood out to me in the trailer was that we actually see Iris because a lot of people had been like, oh, what is happening here? Because like a lot of returning characters weren't on the box or the games so, like Iris, Oda. Um, I don't think Boss was on the cover either. So characters like that were not in the box art and everyone was kind of like, oh, oh, what happened here? Like, what's going on? Where did these characters go? But Iris, we do see her in a flashback, although, although I will say, um, it looks to be a flashback. Um, it doesn't seem to be in the present time because we see Iris and then we see Mizuki. And Mizuki is her version, like the younger, like the 12 year old version of her, not the 18 year old version that we see in Nirvana Initiative. So, like, I'm still not too hopeful, <laughs> but we do see Iris, so um, even if something happened, she will see some of her, at least. We also see Boss. I think she's also in the flashback, but no, no, actually, I think she's in present time as well. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> the trailer was very confusing. Um, they, they say something about a parallel world, which isn't too surprising, but I'm just like, what the fuck is happening here? Um, something about a reverse sync whatever that means. Um, also, they mention the Bats 490 video. I don't know what this means. I kind of think that whatever the Bats 490 video is, it's going to be the next, like, uh, ARG for this game. Obviously, the first one we had was, like, Nine Eyes TV, and, you know, leading up to the release of the first Eye game, uh, they had, like, Iris posting her little videos on YouTube. I think the Bats 490 video might be something like that. <laughs> I think, like, we'll probably start seeing that sometime before the game releases. I'm very curious to know what it is. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, we also see what looks to be Date. I think it's Date with an eye patch, which is cool. He looks kind of sexy with an eye patch. I like characters with eye patches. You know, you got Zigbar... You got Majima, and now we got Date. Anyway, sexy. <laughs> um, the half body ser serial killings. What? Um, we did actually know this beforehand. I think it was in like the whatever description they gave of the game, where it was like the the half body. I don't know if they said serial killings though, but I think they said that in the trailer. Um, but like they they find a body that it like half a body. Uh, <laughs> I, there's just a lot, you guys. Uh, but I will say that the music in the trailer sounded really good. So I'm really looking forward to uh, whatever the soundtrack is like in this game because I really like the first one. But yeah, um, I know that was very weird. Um, go watch the trailer if you haven't already and you are looking forward to Nirvana Initiative because um, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Um, like, I wish I could give more in-depth analysis or, like... But it's genuinely very confusing. <laughs> it is very confusing. It's not very coherent, I guess. And that might sound like a bad thing, but I think it is a good thing when it comes to Uchikoshi games. Like, I don't want to know what's happening, at least not yet. Like, it'll make sense later. But anyway, um, it was a good trailer. I really liked it. I still feel like I need to know more, but 
yeah, go watch it if you haven't already. But um, we did also have some info. So Uchiko, she did, I think it was two interviews. One was on the Spike Chunsoft website and the other was on Nintendo Life. So I'm going to talk about some of the information that he gave out there. So um, the theme, when he was asked sort of about the theme of Nirvana Initiative, um, one of the things he said was two is one. Uh, two is Two opposites is the main theme of the game. For example, yin and yang. Um, in addition, this work will dive into the opposite of love, hatred. Um, a love-hate mystery that begins with half of a corpse. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> so, interesting. So the main theme of the game is kind of like yin and yang opposites. Which I think is probably why they have dual protagonists. That's what I'm going to guess. That's the other thing that I was about to say. Um, so the game has dual protagonists, which like, eh. Mm, I do kind of wish it was just Mizuki. I'm not going to lie. Because, I, you know... <laughs> He finally got a female main character, um, but she's only, like, half the main character. So, I do kind of have that bitter feeling. It kind of reminds me of what Danganronpa V3 did. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Yuki's fine. I'm sure it'll work out. But, like, I am just a bit bitter. Like, I didn't want to share the screen. I didn't want to play <laughs> as Ryuki. Um, even if he ends up being a good character, even if I end up liking him a lot, I'm just like, I want to play as Mizuki. You know what I mean? But I think you know, what Uchi said about, um, the theme of the game being two opposites. I think that might play into it and, like, duality. Maybe that's why there's two main characters. That's my guess. And then when he was asked about, um, you know, why is Mizuki the main character of this game? Uh, one of the things he said was, at first I thought of Date, the protagonist of the previous game. However, if the story was about Date and Mizuki, the flavor lingering from the last title would become too strong and it might be too hard for new players to follow. So, by interweaving an existing character and a new character, anyone can enter this fictional world. So, what this also means is that if you have not played the first I, the Somnium Files game, um, it seems like you can play Nirvana Initiative. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how it's going to work out, um, because the first game is just so much, but sure, um, I, like, I'll keep y'all updated, like, I'm curious to see when I play the game if I think that you could play, um, this before playing the first one. I still, you know, even though he's saying, Uchikoshi is saying that you can play this without having any knowledge of the first one, um... I'm going to guess that you should anyway. I mean, you you should anyway, because it's a fa fucking fantastic game. Um, but I, I just think it's interesting that apparently you can you can play this one first. It's just interesting. Um, so we do have some confirmations of some characters that are going to be coming back. So we have confirmation about Date, Iris, Oda, Mama, and Moma. I don't know who Moma is. I want to Google Moma. <laughs> who is Momo from I, the Somnium Files? That's what the interview said. Okay, he is Kumakura. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, so he's the Yakuza guy that was in the first one. I know him as Kum Kumakura, not as Momo. So that's why I was confused. So all of them are returning. But once again, I'm still a bit nervous because the only time that we've seen Iris in the new trailer it was from a flashback, I'm pretty sure. So... Is it just flashbacks or are they, are they like alive? Um, I don't know. But, <laughs> um, continuing on from some stuff that Uchikoshi said about these returning characters, um, he said the energy of the previous title, 
title is still alive and well. If you liked I-1, then you'll for sure be satisfied with the sequel. It was thanks to the fans that the sequel was able to be made. Thank you so much. Which, like, hell yeah. Uchi Koshi fans are just a different breed, I swear. I'm like, I'm one of them, obviously. <laughs> but, um, yeah. You love it. And, okay, here's another thing that I thought was interesting, because I read into some of these things too much. So, he said, and this is in quotes here, Zero Escape fans will definitely love it. And maybe I'm just reading too much into this. Like, maybe he's just saying, you know, Zero Escape fans like the first game. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll like this game, too. You know, we share some, some similar things. Like, I put in some similar stuff in all my games, which is true. You know, like, branching timelines. I'm sure this game is going to have that, too. But it just stood out to me. <laughs> I'm like, so, so Zero Escape fans will definitely love it. So, like, you went out of your way to say that. Because he did say in the interview as well that, like, Uchikoshi fans will like it or something along those lines. Like, he mentioned Uchikoshi fans specifically. So I'm like, okay, so Uchikoshi and Zero Escape fans are pretty much the same thing. So why are we specifically calling it Zero Escape, you know? Is, is this an I, the Somnium Files, and Zero Escape crossover? I don't know. I just, it stood out to me. And, you know, in that first trailer, the first look that we ever saw of this game, Mizuki was playing 999. So we're going to see, like, more of that. Am I going to get to see Mizuki playing through the best game ever made? I don't know. I just, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> and I'm definitely looking too, too far into it. Um, but then Uchikoshi tweeted, um, this is a reply to a tweet. I don't know what the original tweet said, but, um, he tweeted, there's a clue hidden in the trailer. So please take a guess. The correct answer will be revealed in the near future. What does it mean? I rewatched the trailer a lot of times before recording this episode. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is happening? Because there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack in the trailer. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the secret is. I'm like, I'm because they briefly show at the very beginning, um, Mizuki kind of like standing over this like half body that has obviously been killed. And I'm trying to figure out who it is. I'm like, is it a character that we already know? Because you can... You can kind of see, like, their shoes, and it looks like they're just wearing, like, black. And so I'm, like, I'm Googling different characters, and I'm like, oh, it could be this one from the first game. Like, who could it be? And, like, I'm like, okay, so the shoes, I don't think, match any of the characters. But then I'm like, maybe they're just wearing a different outfit, because you don't get to see their face at all. And the fact that you don't see their face at all kind of makes me like, hmm, this is probably a character that we're going to recognize, right? Or else, why wouldn't you show their face? But I can't get anything just from the outfit. So I'm like very frustrated. So I don't know if that's what he's talking about. But uh, there's some sort of clue hidden in the trailer. Um, I, I'm, God knows. God knows what it is because I don't. But if you want to look for it, feel free. And then there was another interview with Uchikoshi with Nintendo Life. And so they talked about um, like the game systems and the gameplay and stuff. And Uchikoshi said, we of course want to revise the game systems, and I feel that most of them were improved in I2. We took into account a lot of the player feedback, so I think that's really cool. I know some people had problems with the Somniums in the first game, which is the gameplay of that game, basically. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with sort of the random nature of it, which I didn't mind. <laughs> or, like, I think some people might have had problems like the timies and how kind of random they are as well. I think they were called, were they called timies? I feel like that sounds really silly. I don't remember, but the, um the time things. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so it looks like the gameplay is going to be better. 
Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, Uchi, Uchi says, Uchi says it is improved. So that's good to hear. Another thing. So when talking about Mizuki, um, Uchiko, she said a huge incident changed her life, which I mean, I think we can infer already just because she no longer has an eyeball. Like she lost an eye to get eyeball. And that doesn't, that doesn't happen in the first game. I don't know if you would consider that a spoiler or not, but like Mizuki doesn't lose her eye in the first game. So like something happened in between then and the timeline of this game, obviously she lost her fucking eye. So like a huge incident changed her life. We don't know what it is. (sighs) So many questions. Um, Okay, this is a funny one. So, uh, the interviewer asked Uchi, can you talk a little bit about your writing process? How do you approach a project like this? And what tools do you use to write the story in the initial stages? And Uchi Koshi gave a very Uchi Koshi answer for this. (laughs) And it's not really news, I just thought it was funny. Um, Because I feel like I can relate to Uchi Koshi sometimes. Um, And so he said, first I think about the main theme, which will be the core of the story. Then I think about big juicy melons, shake that distraction off and get to conceptualizing the storyline and the main gimmick or twist. My heart then prances off toward thoughts of nice round coconuts. <laughs> and then I blow away those impure thoughts and start setting up characters' backgrounds in the central drama. Finally, I purify my ears with an owl's hooting, wash the auditory hallucination down with the tequila I have left, and fit the character's human drama and mystery into the plot. A very uchikoshi answer. (laughs) And when I was reading this, I was like, okay, Tama makes a lot of sense. Because, like I said, if you've seen Tama's character design, she has those nice round coconuts, those big juicy lemons, melons, if you will. So... Yeah, pretty much every Uchikoshi game <laughs> has a character with huge tits. <laughs> and now we know why. Um, uh, what else do I have here? So he says this game also does not spoil anything from the previous title. It's totally possible to play I2 and then play I1. So kind of like I said earlier, that this is like new players can get into this. But I mean, I think they also, when they tried to make Zero Time Dilemma, they tried to accommodate new players as well, which kind of backfired. Um... in a lot of ways with the plot um but also I still wouldn't recommend to anyone to play Zero Time Dilemma without playing the first two Zero Escape games so like I'm like is it that kind of scenario where you're like technically you can play it but you shouldn't (laughs) or if it is like you can go right into this because I'm I don't know it's just something that's on my mind I do get a bit worried when the approach seems to be you know fuck previous I, I don't think that's the attitude but I think, you know, when I think to Zero Time Dilemma specifically, where they were trying to very much accommodate new players that hadn't played the previous games, it really impacted the plot in ways that I don't think were good. But I'm really hoping that this is a different scenario with Nirvana Initiative. So, fingers crossed. And then, um, just one last bit from the Uchikoshi interview. Um, he says, COVID-19 did not influence the story or themes of I2. The scenario was written from the spring to fall of 2020, but I wasn't able to predict how long this disaster would last. Even still, I think I intentionally strayed away from letting it influence the game at all. I believe Corona will subside one day, but games are forever. I want to make a universal work that could be enjoyed no matter when you play it. And I'm just, I'm very glad. <laughs> because I feel like, you know, you see 
not so much video games. I think mostly because video games just take so long to develop that we haven't really got to a point where we're seeing, you know, COVID video games. But like, if you look at like TVs and movie or even music, they'll talk about how they were influenced by COVID-19, the pandemic. And, you know, if you watch a fucking TV show now, the characters are like wearing masks and they're talking about Corona. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> But I don't think this would have affected I anyway. But it was just a relief. It was just a relief. Because I personally, like, I'm, I don't like it. I don't like when media is like, yo, let's talk about this pandemic while we're in it. And, like, make commentary. Because um, I think it, it just makes me worried. Like, um, I'm a fan of the Halloween series, if you didn't know. And when they were talking about uh, the last Halloween movie that's supposed to be coming out this year. But probably not. Um, but when they were talking about um, sort of creating the script for Halloween Ends, um, they were talking about how it changed because of the pandemic, and I think they, uh, the director even went so far as to say that, you know, Halloween Ends, it takes place in, I don't know what year, I think it takes place in 2020 or something, um, but how they were going to talk about the pandemic and stuff, I'm like, oh, fuck, like, I don't want this in my, in my movies, in my video games, in my media, um, but that's just, like, a personal thing, I think, (laughs) so it was just a relief, uh, when I read that. But I don't think it would affect this anyway, because I don't, like, I think it takes place way later. Um, if I'm correct about the timeline of I, the Somnium Files, um, this doesn't take place until, I want to say 2025, 2026, maybe later. So, God, I hope we're out of this by then. (laughs) God. But anyway... That's it for my little analysis of I, the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, all the news that we got. It was a lot. It was a lot to unpack. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, hearing and learning more about this in the next few months. Um, I assume we'll probably get at least one more trailer, probably two at some point. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very excited. And I, I just, I love getting all this news. But yeah, that, that, that's it from me. <laughs> So, thank you so much for listening to Luna's Galaxy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And I will be back on Tuesday, February 15th for the next episode where we'll be discussing who knows what. If you want to be a part of the Luna's Galaxy community, you can join our Discord server and the link is in the description. Uh, you can also keep up with me on Twitter, Instagram, or Twitch, where I'm at Games. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>